Welcome. You're about to listen to a teaching of the Foursquare Gospel Church, VGC District. At Foursquare, we believe in the transformation of communities through the multiplication of disciples, leaders, churches, and movements. May your hearts be blessed and transformed as you listen. I want to welcome all of us here uh, to this Bible study, the first Bible study in the month of May. And this month of May is the family month. So what we'll be talking about will be about the family. Uh, The Bible study will be about the family. I would like us to pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you again for this opportunity. This opportunity to be before you and to be together with one another on-site and online. And we thank you because of your Spirit, your Holy Spirit. Your Spirit tells us that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in their midst. And we believe by your grace you are here with us in the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that you are here to bless because you don't just visit your children for nothing. We pray that you will open our eyes to see you. You open our eyes to see you, to receive you. You open our ears to hear what you will tell us here. And Lord, you open our hearts to receive it. Help us, Lord, that as we live here, we will walk with you to bring the change you desire for us tonight. Thank you, dear Lord. In Jesus' name we have prayed. So, thank you very much. Um, We will continue on the theme. The theme for the month is God-centered family. And it's taken from it's taken from the theme is taken from Joshua twenty four fifteen. But that's not what we'll be reading as our references tonight. There will be a number of references we're gonna read um tonight. Um so we'll read Well, the topic, what we'll be talking about is connecting the family to God, the center. Connecting the family to God, the center. And we'll read Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 31. I would actually prefer if we have uh, people in the audience, I mean, on uh, online or on site, reading for us. Genesis chapter 1, the first reading will be 26 to 31. Like I said, we'll read a number of passages before um, yeah, we talk about what we want to talk about tonight. Genesis chapter 1, from verse 26 to 31. 
Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the flesh in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and all over and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Feed the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Continue to... Anyway, so you can stop there. That's fine. You can stop there and read chapter 2. You read verse 18 and then from verse 21 to 25. Chapter 2, verse 18, then 21 to 25. The The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Thank you very much, Pastor, Pastor Olowo, for that reading. Um, so we'll still continue with our reading, and I want Psalms 127 and 128. That is two chapters, but they are short, so they can be taken together. Psalm, Psalms 127 and 128. Another person to please read it for us. Psalm 127 and 128. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Verse 3. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. 5. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Psalm 128 verse 1. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Three, 
Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, there will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. Verse 5. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, um, I said what we are, we'll be talking about is connecting the family to God, who is the center. Connecting the family to God. And by way of uh, outline as to what we'll be talking about, we are on introduction already. And um, then we will talk briefly about uh, God's plan, then God's purpose, then God's pathway, and then we have our conclusion. So, you know, in the beginning, God, that's how the Bible starts, in the beginning, God. And as we know from the scripture, yesterday, God, today, God, and forever, it will be God. As we talked about last Sunday, He's the one who created the entire world, and He's the one who instituted the family beginning with the very first marriage. And indeed, the family is God's first institution. Family or marriage is God's first institution. And God has got purpose for the family. He has got pattern for the family. He has got pathway for the family. So if we want the family to be the family that is God-centered, that family must learn to follow God's purpose, God's pattern, and God's pathway. Now we will consider the three, um, three items, God's purpose, God's pattern, and and God's pathway for the family. Um, sorry, God's plan, God's purpose, and God's pathways. God's plan, God's purpose, and God's pathway for the family. Okay? So, there are three of them. God's purpose. God's plan, or God's plan, God's purpose, God's pathway for the family. Like I said, we will focus more on God's pathway, but it would be good to talk about God's, God's plan and God's purpose and talk also about 
I mean God's plan, uh, which is which includes the purpose of God for the family, the precept of God for the family, and the principle of God for the family, the pattern of God for the family. So let me repeat myself because I think I got it a bit mixed up. First is God's plan for the family. The second is God's purpose for the family. And the third is God's pathway for the family. Is that clear? God's plan, God's purpose, God's pathway. God's plan, God's purpose, God's pathway. That's what we are going to look at. So let's talk about God's plan for the family. God's plan for the family. And that plan, those, I think, yeah, so God's plan for the family. First is purpose. What are the purpose for bringing about the family? And he has a pattern, the way the family should be, a design for the family. Of course, he has his precepts and he has his principle. Like I said, we just introduce this basically and then move quickly to God's uh, pathways. Now, in terms of um, purpose, if you know purpose is why, I mean, he, he wanted the family in the first place and will dwell on it a little bit. Um, but I'll just talk briefly about the difference between precept and principle. Now, we read from the scripture, God's, you know, precept for many different things. God's precept for many different things. Precepts is like some, a command or a commandment. For instance, thou shalt not commit adultery. Again, it's related to family because the matter of sex is very important to God. And God wants it ordered in a particular way. But I'm just using it as a principle for precept. That is a command. There is no um, way of defining it. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And in the Bible, you find a lot of commands. Now, a family that wants to be centered on God will definitely be interested in God's purpose. Why the family should be interested in God's pattern, which is the design of a man and a woman. A man and a woman as one unit when they come together in marriage. That's God's pattern. Any other one is deviation from the pattern of God. And of course, it can be a God-centered family. If it deviates from one man, one woman in that situation. 
Now, the precept is about what God has said in his word that comes as a command. Thou shalt not commit adultery, for instance, or thou shalt not murder. That is a precept. That is a very clear commandment. And there is nothing you can do about it. You just have to follow it or you are just not in line with God's principle. With God's precept. Now, when we talk about principles, of course, the Bible has a lot of principles that will guide our life, you know, and we have, we, we, the, the circumstances will define sometimes how that principle applies to you and how it applies to me. Um, I'm trying to think of one of a principle in the Bible, and some stories in the Bible, even what happened in the Bible, these are, are principles. Okay? Um, okay, for instance, um, I, was re- I was reading this, this, this particular one. It said Jesus told his, the, 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 the apostles, the disciples, just before he ascended, that they should wait in Jerusalem for the promised Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit, when they have received the Holy Spirit, they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and so on to the utmost part of the earth. Now, so, is that a commandment? Not so. There's a principle is there. That is the principle of we, the power of the Holy Spirit is important for the witnessing work, for, the, 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 for missions and evangelism. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. But should we go to Jerusalem and wait there for the Holy Spirit to come? And some people have interpreted the Bible that way, you know. But no, that's not what he's saying. Should we go to Jerusalem and say, Jesus said, you know, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you should start from Jerusalem. So we start from Jerusalem, we go to Judea. Before, but we know that the principle is start where you are. In the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the principle. I mean, that's what I mean. So, God's plan for the family is governed by his purpose and by the pattern which talks about one man, one wife, for instance, and the nature of that relationship with the man as the head and the wife as the supporter. That's God's pattern. Then we have precepts in the Bible that must guide how family life is lived. Then there are principles. Principles that we need to trust God for the wisdom to apply to our own individual family circumstances and individual lives. So that's what I mean. So God's plan for the family. Now let's talk about God's purpose for the family. We'll dwell a little bit on this uh, purpose of God for the family. Okay, so one of those purposes, for instance, it's partnership. Partnership. Now, the Bible says, 
It is not good for the man to be alone. The truth is, God had created the world and mandated man to extend his creation, to continue to work on his creation. More or less, he has endowed man with the capacity to do that. But inside the man, from the beginning of creation, was the woman. God said it was not good for the man to be alone. It's not just about loneliness. It's about the purpose of God. Man alone cannot do that work. Man alone cannot be fruitful and multiply and rule the earth and subdue it and so on. He cannot continue the creative work that God had assigned to him and do it alone. So he needed a partner that they will do that together. Right? So God's purpose for giving a partner is also related to what he wanted mankind to do. Of course, that partnership includes companionship. Inside of it is companionship because that's needed for the relationship to work well. You take the issue of procreation. God wants multiplication. God wants husband and wife to give birth to children and their children will give birth to children and it will continue like that in such a way that they will continue to increase, multiply and do what God wants them to do. Even after the fall, God expected that the family will continue and this process will continue. But he expected that the people he would call as his own would be people who would follow his plan for procreation, which is giving birth to children and raising them. And if you, if you read Malachi chapter 2, from verse 13 to, say, 16, you will see a story there. Now, the story in that um, the story in that book, Malachi chapter 2, 13 to 16, is about some men who were unhappy. They were unhappy, and in fact, they were weeping. Can you imagine? That's a serious matter. They were weeping. And why were they weeping? The Bible says that they were weeping because God had rejected their offerings, their sacrifices. So probably go to the temple, they offered sacrifices, and they were aware that the sacrifices were rejected by God. And it was like, they were saying, so why did God reject our sacrifice? And God said, it's because you are not dealing properly with the wife that you have. You have not been faithful. And in not being faithful to her, you are also doing something that goes beyond just between you and your wife. You are going, you are affecting the raising of godly offspring, 
which is my purpose for making you two of you one. Now, so, this purpose of God about procreation is very important. About giving birth is very important. About raising them to be godly is very important. That when men, we are making it difficult for godly children to, you know, to be raised in their home because of their attitude and their, the way they behaved, God refused to answer their prayers. That's exactly what he did. He refused to answer their prayers because it was very, very important to, to him. Now, the other is, uh, you know, pleasure. It's one of the reasons why God created um, the, the family, you know. And between the husband and wife, that pleasure included the sexual pleasure intended for pleasure, somebody wrote. That is part of what God had wired into the marriage relationship. Pleasure in the marriage relationship. And the other is protection. Of course, the protection extends to um, every area of protection for one another, for the children, and so on. But, it's also protection from sin, sexual sin. The Bible says, look, if you can't control your um, sexual sin, and it's appropriate, marry. If you are single, and if you are if married, then you make sure you protect, you limit your sexual activity to one another as husband and wife. And God, of course, frowns at anything that deviates from that. So protection. But this protection is not just protection from sexual sin alone. All kinds of protection for the children, for everybody in the family that comes into it. The other thing the family serves as a purpose is picture. The family is like a picture. A picture of God's family. Okay, so the church is called the family of God. So the family is like a picture of God's big family. So the same word, family, family for God, for God's children. Okay, then if you see God, the family has a father. Okay, and God wants to be called a father. Sometimes that really, really, I mean, I tremble at that. We call God Father. And sometimes I just pray, I say, I hope my lifestyle will not make my children have a notion of Father that is different from the notion, the picture I'm supposed to be painting for them, for instance. You know. So the family is also like a picture. Marriage like a picture of oneness. Marriage is a picture of the love between the church and Jesus Christ himself. When Paul was talking about the oneness in the family, he said it's a mystery, but he was talking about Jesus and the church. Right? So it's, it's supposed to be a picture. And the question 
sometimes I ask myself is whether my family is a picture that represents God as it ought to. And truly, it doesn't. So I keep praying and trusting God that my family will continue to be a better picture. As people look, you know, and see, my wife and I, they will see a picture of love, something that represents love, that they can understand, they can connect with. Those who, who, who get close enough, as they see us relating with our children and the children relating among themselves, to see the picture of the family of God all together at work. As, you know, um, their mother, uh, that Chidi, for instance, will represent the kind of love that God has for his children. Because in a lot of places, it's referred to like, even if it's possible that the mother will forget her children, a nursing mother, God will not. It's like, that is the peak, the highest of love that you can see, of affection. You know, a nursing mother and her children. So the family is a picture. A picture that God wants to paint to show who he is, either through the father or through the mother or through the relationship between husband and wife or the entire uh, family if children are involved. Okay? So God's pathway for the family. God's pathway for the family. Now, there are two there are, there are, like, I have four sides trying to describe God's pathway for the family. One side has to do with a vertical relationship. That is a relationship we, as individual members of the family, and as a whole family, have with God. Okay? That is the vertical relationship. And then there is the horizontal relationship, which I say what we call enrich. That is a kind of relationship that exists within the family and the kind of relationship on the outreach, which is the kind of relationship that the family should have for outsiders. The kind of relationship that the family should have for outsiders. Now, it is important that we know the place of the word. We have talked about the precept and the principle. God's precepts and God's principles are in God's word. And they are to help us live the God kind of life. Either as individuals or as family members, or as the people of God, individually or collectively. And there is nothing we can do to grow, to become God-centered, either as individuals or as a family, without the Word of God. That is a wonderful treasure. As a gift of God without measure. 
is a Bible. So it's important that we know that whatever else we are paying attention to, that is not God's word, has limited value. Everything for us should be referenced to the word of God. The word of God should be the standard for our family. The word of God should be what will guide the family. It is very important that we allow the word of God to be the reverence point in the family. Not what the father wants or the mother wants or the children want. Not necessarily what the culture says. Sometimes that could be relevant, but everything, whether culture or father's words or mother's words or contemporary ideas or philosophy or whatever should be measured by the word of God. And how can something be measured by what you don't know? That is why the word of God is central to having a God-centered family. So it's important that we know the place of the Word of God in the family that you want centered on God. It has to be centered in the Word. The Word has to have a primary place in the life of the individuals and in the life of the family. Then, prayer. That is the vertical side I'm still talking about. One side is the word of God. The other is prayer. Again, without prayer, it is impossible that whatever else you are doing without it is like what the psalmist was saying in Psalm 127, that unless the Lord builds the house, the labor in vain who try to do it on their own. It is in vain. Whatever we try to build on our own without talking to God, we are building in vain. We are laboring in vain. So prayer is very key. Prayer is key because there are so many things that we don't just know. Just the next minute. We don't know. Just the next minute. That's how it is. We don't know. So, we have the privilege of being able to access our Father for direction. So, in the life of the family, prayer is key. And we are wrestling here. And the wrestling that we are doing is not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers that are in the heavenly realms. It's only through the power of prayer that we get to that realm, that we dislodge powers and principalities that are against the family in the realm that we ourselves, in our natural selves, would not reach. The other is what I call the enrich. Okay, so as family members, we are supposed to be reaching out to one another. 
And this involves different aspects of life. I will go to that shortly. Of course, we also have outreach. In the sense that we will be reaching out to the, uh, the other members beside the family, other people, the society, and all that. The family of God, the family centered on God, should be positioned to reach out to other members, to other people, to the society, to the church of God. So, we learn to follow God's pathway. We should learn to follow God's pathway. And following God's pathway requires that we understand the nature of the family again. I want to go closely to say a few things on how we follow God's pathway. A typical nuclear family, for instance, which is a common one among the educated people today, will have a husband and a father. That is the same person with husband and father. And then you have wife, mother, you have children, siblings. Now, the husband is like the head and the heart of the family. Because the Bible says that he is the head of the family and he is to love like Christ loved the church. So, he is the head and he is the heart. Okay, I just put it that way. For us. So the husband should know how to lead the family. The husband should know how to love the family, beginning from his wife and then to his children. And the wife is the helper and the heart of the family as well. Helper and heart. He is the supporter for the family, and particularly for her husband, and he is, she is to show love to everyone in the family, and particularly to learn to love her husband and her children, as uh, Paul said um, in the book of Titus. The children, the Bible says, are the gifts and rewards and arrows of the family. So there are gifts and rewards to be taken care of. And there are arrows that you are preparing to launch to specified targets. It means planning and thinking well and praying and trusting well that these gifts that God has given to you as a family, the gifts of children, you learn to know how to use, how to train them and to help them to follow God and to become arrows that will hit God's designed targets. Then there will be, there will be special families, families that will be coupled alone. That is, either by choice, because I've, I've seen a couple who by choice, because of the mission that God gave to them, decided not to have children. And they believe that God led them to that decision. Okay? And they are still ministering for God. 
But there are also couples that for some reason, God hasn't given them children. So that's a family as well. You know, a complete family, husband and wife, is a family. And sometimes you have single parents. Sometimes you have blended family, maybe resulting from uh, some divorce and remarriage, or resulting from you know death of a partner, and so there's a new person who is not the biological mother, and so on. Sometimes you have widows, like you said, you know, taking care of children as um, a single parent, or a widower taking care of children as a single parent. Of course, they need special um, family, the family of God coming around them. In the New Testament, that is one thing that the church was known and reputed for, taking care of widows in particular. Now, of course, we have the extended household where you have uh, father, mother, and, you know, um, children and other relations or other people brought into the household. Now, from a biblical perspective, that's also a family. That's also a family. And then, of course, we have situations where you have families where maybe before somebody comes to faith, is already married to more than one wife. I believe that, I mean, that's also a family. And God has pathways for all of them. And we need to learn to follow God's pathways. Now, one thing that is clear is that every family member needs to relate to and serve God as individual, as an individual. And family members need to learn how to serve together as a family, to serve God together as a family. And if you are the head and the heart of the family, what you are working on is how to help the entire family to be people who serve God and how to help every individual member of your family to be God's child and God's servant. That's what we owe as head of the family, as helper and supporter and heart of the family. Family members have responsibilities to one another. Okay? I mean, the husband and wife relationship, the Bible, the Bible is very clear about husbands and wives and the way they relate together in love, in submission, in headship. The Bible is clear. We won't go into the details, but that's, those are responsibilities and roles we have uh, for one another. Okay? Um, then, you know, for children, for instance, the father in particular is, talk, is told about training his children in the Lord. 
Of course, again, that work is work that is done by the Father and His supporter, His helper, that God has put together with Him. And the Father must know, must learn, must trust God, must ask for God's help to be able to do that. So, family members will learn to meet one another's needs. They will learn to connect together. Family members, like, must see themselves as owing one another the responsibility to help one another be God's best. And even as children are growing up, for them to realize that that is part of what they should do. Children are told to obey their parents. And even when they are grown, they have the responsibility to honor their parents all their lives. So all of these are what God has said in his word. And as we take time to go into the world, we will see what God expects us to do. Of course, we need to understand and trust God to help us do what we need to do in the way God will want us to do it, in the way God will want us to perform our responsibility. And it's usually not very easy. It's usually not very easy, particularly in the area of family, in the area of marriage. My own experience is that I'm always struggling with the culture that I know. And some I'm struggling with what I have been used to over time. I grew up where men acted like dictators. And they decide and tell their wives their decisions. That's how I grew up. So even though I became a Christian, and mentally I was, you know, thinking about it and realizing that, no, that is not God's way. God doesn't want a husband to be the dictator. It's a completely different thing, learning how not to be a dictator. It's a completely different thing, learning how to participate with my wife, consult with her, listen to her, talk with her, get her perspective, and so on. Sometimes I even get angry that she has a difference in her opinion. Again, that is struggle with culture. And it's something that, you know, one needs to be engaging God. I'm just sharing my own experience. For instance, if Chidi we are here, probably will be talking about, you know, how it affects her. But, you know, so it's a difficult thing. I grew up where men, or boys, even when we are growing up as boys, we are made to feel we are superior to women. Again, that is not the Bible's position. It's a human position. The fact that the man is the head doesn't mean the man is a superior one. No, it's about role. It's about role. The fact that a woman is asked, a wife is asked to submit to her husband, 
her own husband. It's not saying, you know, like to all men. <laughs> Otherwise, it would mean that wherever you are, once there's a man, the man must be the head. No, no. It says, to your own husband. Okay? That fact is, does not mean that the woman is subservient or subservient to the man. But these are things that we need to trust God and go into his word and seek his face and ask him to help us deal with it. Because sometimes the thing, the thing feels ingrained in us because of what we have observed over time. And then we act, you know, that way. You know, and sometimes you see the opposite of it playing out differently. So, a Christian woman is acting like a non-believer, trying to manage herself in case. You know, these men, you can't trust them. You can't trust men. I mean, you are talking about a Christian woman and a Christian man. Again, sometimes that is influenced by what you see around and by the culture that we grew in. And it's important that we get, I mean, I mean, we get to realize where the culture is different from God's word and help to learn how to address ourselves appropriately. So that's very, very uh, important for us. Or you take children. You know, as they say, they are to be heard, not, they are to be seen, not heard, right? That's how, you know, we grew up. If you ask too many questions, they ask you to shut up. But of course, I don't think that's God's way. You know, they are to be respected as individuals. They deserve respect. Some of us find it very, very difficult to respect our children. We think that respect and training don't go together. Oh, they do. They do. Some of us have grown, have adults living in, with us, or adults as our children, but we think that we must still be deciding for them how they live their lives. That is not respect. That is not respect. There's a time that the training starts and there's a time that the thing changes. It's negotiation. You, you know, keep walking around it and trying to negotiate rather than wanting to, them to do what you want. Unfortunately, at times, that makes us engage in battles that are unnecessary. Unnecessary battles with our children. And then there are young people who think, oh, you know, we have reached this age and we can, you know, live our lives as we want. We are now free. <laughs> no, if we are God's children, our ways will be different from the ways of the children of the world because we are following the precepts and the principles in the Word of God for His children. Now, Besides the families meeting one another's needs, as I said before, the family is also connected 
with the family of God. God-centered family is connected with the family of God. In other words, in other words, we need to help and trust God to lead them, lead our children, lead our family if we are men and women, married, whatever, lead them to, to God and be part of the family of God. Because that's God's channel for a, spe- a kind of a special community for mutual help, for healing, and for hope for us. And that's what we have to be for one another. Unfortunately, of course, in the church today, it's so difficult to provide mutual help, healing, and hope for one another. Instead of coming to a place where we know we are all struggling and receiving help, all of us package ourselves. We've been wearing our masks before COVID. We wear our masks to hide ourselves. It is well. And it's not well. But it is well. Because if I tell you that it's not well with me, if I tell you I'm struggling in this area, it becomes a story. Rather than receiving help and healing and so on, something else will come out of it. I was sharing with my friend sometimes ago about you know um, about the church being the hospital. And I said something like um, because I've, I've, I've read somewhere you know, so I said something like, you know we are in the hospital. All of us all of us. And it was like, oh. And the pastor is like, yeah, it makes sense. The pastor is like the doctor. I said, no. The pastor is also sick. <laughs> okay? But maybe at a higher level of recovery, the only doctor there is Jesus Christ. We are all struggling. All, every one of us, whatever the title, whatever we bear, we have our struggles in the family, struggles with ourselves as individuals, and the family of God should be where we will come and see a safe community where we can connect with one another and be God's channels of help and healing and hope for one another. But if we continue to wear masks, to appear like everything is fine and together with us, of course we continue in our problems and we ignore this special community that God has given to us. The church, the body of Christ, where we serve one another, where we help one another. Family members have responsibilities to the society. And we need to discharge those responsibilities. As young children, we have to tell them this responsibility goes beyond helping them to know how to witness. It's helping them to discharge responsibility to extended family members, 
They want to, they also should see us discharge it. And that family, extended family members, the church of God, the people of God, the people around them, the society where they live, and so on, we should know that we have responsibility as people of God. When we have a family, the mandate of God to take care of this world has not been removed. And we should realize that. And we should be involved in it. And, you know, so when we are bringing up and raising our children, we should, that should be part of what we engage in. A lot of times as children grow, we try to see, to begin to negotiate with them and have discussions with them on different aspects of the needs. The phase of the family should, as you grow, there are phases and what they should know. And part of what we should do to center the family in God is to know the different phases and be able to bring God's word into that phase and be able to use God's wisdom in that phase in making the family what it should be in that phase. Either as just um, the child, taking care of the children or taking care of one another as uh, couples. That's very, very, very important. So, it requires a lot of negotiation sometimes. Let me tell us a story of a man, a father, and his son. The son says to the father, you know what? I've been struggling with my faith. In fact, I don't believe in God. That was a difficult discussion the man had with his son. But I'm struggling. And one of the the things I'm struggling with is that the entire family revolves around God. So I'm struggling with that, with faith in that God. That's a very difficult conversation. And you still have to have that conversation. If you are are the father. Because that's an adult man. Telling you. To your face. That look. I'm struggling in this area. And then. The father. Starts to negotiate. Okay so. You don't want to lose a family. Because the family revolves around God. Okay. So, is there anything the family does now that you don't want to do? Or is there everything that the family does now that, well, because you want to stay with the family, you will want to be part of? And, you know, these are conversations. Sometimes, very difficult conversation, but it comes to a time that you realize that whether you are a father or you are a mother, you have grown adults and you allow them to express their adulthood within acceptable context. Of course, there is a time that you say, if this is this, no way. Right? But we have to realize that there are faces and the God-centered family following God's pattern 
following God's uh, principles and God's precepts, would do what is appropriate for every phase of the family. And, you know, for the father, the son said, Oh, no, I can participate in anything. Your Bible study, your whatever, I'll participate. I said, okay. So, what's the problem? He said, no, 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 I just told you where my struggle is. Now, this, like I said, is a difficult conversation, but that's why we are there for one another, to support one another, to help one another when we are struggling. So, in rounding up, I just want to look, us to look at, in terms of looking at the human needs, to look at the, the needs that we have to look at as, 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 as family members trying to meet one another's needs. There's the need, the spirit side of the man. There are spiritual needs that if you are the head, of a family, you should be concerned about that and provide leadership there. If you are the helper in the family, you should be concerned about that need and do everything to make sure that need is being provided for. And there are various ways that we have known over the years of providing to meet the spirit needs of the family, to lead the children to God, to help them in the early years, from the very beginning, in the world, in prayer, in relationship with other believers, in the church, and so on. And there's the side of the soul, which is the psychological side of the family, the emotional side. And we need to learn how to touch family members on their soul side, the emotional side. A lot of it comes through good, effective communication, listening well, understanding well, communicating at a deeper level, and understand how the other person feels deeply and try to minister to the needs of the person at that level. That is where the soul need is met, particularly through deep, effective communication with one another in the family. Not as just as group, but as individual members, the husband and the wife, the mother and her, child, her children and individual children, the father and his individual children talking with them. Then the body learn how to touch one another. We learn how to hug. We learn how to connect. That has implication for the soul and even the spirit. So it's important that we understand all this about bringing ourselves before God and meeting one another's needs in the family. Now we can go, we can go on and on, but we can't finish. You know, there are, these are practical things. And that's why I think I will end here. But I will invite us to consider the Sunday school classes. If you are for this month and even beyond, we should. The Sunday school classes is where, for instance, we can discuss these people. You know, you raise issues and practical issues, and people talk about them 
and people ask questions and so on. I joined one last Sunday and it was so, so, so practical. So connecting the family to the center is very important for the survival of the family in our time. The survival of the kind of family that is God-centered in our time. So a God-centered family needs to be connected with the family. Even a member of the family that is struggling and is not as an individual connected can be connected to the prayers of those who know God. If you are the only one, whether you are a child or whatever you are, the only one who knows God in that family, you can bring that family before God because of your prayer. That is very possible. Your prayer and your lifestyle can be a witness to that family. Your lifestyle can be a witness. Your prayer can bring spiritual connection beyond what you can personally do. Thank you very much. I think I would like to stop here. I don't know whether there are questions. Online, you're online, have questions, please and unmute yourself, you are on Zoom and ask your question. And if you are on site, you have question. Right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir, for the exposition. God bless you. I'd like to find out these three things, whether they are varied by detail. The first one is child adoption for the couple who feel, yeah, so, who are still waiting. And they feel maybe is running out, they just decide to adopt a child. The second one is the surrogacy. When the wife would allow the husband to allow another woman to carry the pregnancy with the sperm of the husband. And the third one is donor insemination. Because someone is not married, a woman, but wants to have a child. And she goes to the sperm bank to buy sperm and she's pregnant. So I wanted to find out whether these three things are allowed, whether they are biblical or, if not all, maybe one or two. And if they are biblical, I want you to please tell us. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much for um, the, the questions. Um, it's not, I'm not sure I understood all the three. There are, there are three questions. Um, I wonder if there's anybody yes, here who is clear about the questions, who wants to attend the question. And I have somebody in mind. <laughs> so, if, uh, I mean, I know somebody who has done a bit of uh, work around that, and uh, he knows himself. Uh, Dr. Aliu, please, <laughs> can you help us in this area? Thank, thank you, sir. Please, can you take the questions one by one again? The first one, so that we get it very clearly. Okay, the first one is child adoption for couples who couldn't wait and they feel they 
maybe they needed a child, they just adopt legally. And the second one is surrogacy, when the wife allowing the husband to give his sperm to another woman to carry the pregnancy. And the third one is donor insemination. That a woman who has come of age that is not married does feel she wants to have a baby. Go to the sperm bank, get sperm, buy sperm, uh, sperm from the bank, get pregnant and have a child at the end of the day. I wanted to know whether these three things are by data, whether they are acceptable in the Christian. Thank you very much. I think it's very thank clear you, now. Sir. Right? Okay, sir. Well, thank you very much. Uh, in terms of adoption, there is, let's, let's be straightforward about it. There's no particular verse that says you can go and adopt. But based on our understanding of Scripture, when we talk about adoption, for me, from the little work I did on it and my conviction, there is absolutely nothing wrong about adoption, adopting a child. There's nothing wrong. And it's even a very good thing because you give such a child an opportunity to have a family-centered life that is directed unto God. So there is nothing wrong at all. Now, what probably you can say there may be controversy, like you were trying to point out, is maybe surrogacy. Surrogacy apparently is just maybe, let me use the word, borrowing uterus. Maybe the woman doesn't have any more uterus. And then getting uterus to incubate that baby is like a temporary, just a woman carrying the pregnancy on your behalf. It's still a controversial thing. For me, maybe again as a doctor, having looked at it, I don't see anything wrong. I don't see anything wrong. There is nothing special in terms of a verse that I can bring out in scripture to say this is this. Even when you talk about like egg donation or sperm donation, there are only or, and you extend it to intra, what we call intrauterine insemination, where the husband's sperm is taken to fertilize the egg. Some people will say nothing wrong. Others will say there are issues about it. For example, maybe when you collect the sperm, that it is adultery. It involves a third party. Others feel that there is nothing wrong about it. So, it's still a controversial point. And it's something, for me, you need the guidance of the Holy Ghost to pray about it. In conclusion, my own personal view is that for adoption, there is absolutely nothing wrong. For surrogacy, there is nothing wrong. And for the other issues, which are still controversial, do you believe that there is a third person involved in having that child? That's where there are issues. But for me, I don't see anything wrong about it. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Reverend Dr. Aliu, for that um, response. Um, yeah, I, I don't have anything else to add. It's important, though, that every couple that wants to go into any of them to see God's face and be directed by Him 
in terms of what to do. And if God has directed, I, I think, I mean, to be appropriate to do it. Any other question? Our time is... Yeah, yes, sir. Uh, whether God is... Whether God is interested in that family. Okay. I'm, I'm very sure that God is interested in every person and is interested in every family including families that are not doing what he wants them to do. He's there. He's at work. He's, you know, God wants to bring people to himself. So he is interested in everybody. He's interested in every family. But is every family God-centered? Not necessarily. People have different positions about, for instance, if I'm married to somebody... I come two wives or three wives and I come to faith. I mean, churches have different positions. Some say, oh, divorce uh, two and just stick to one. Maybe your first wife, that's your only wife and all that. I mean, these are different positions. Mine, my position is completely that, I mean, no, again, it's just trusting God for that family that God will allow the people. It's more like you come to Christ, you come to know Jesus. That is the most important thing first. Whether or not you had, you know, married. I'm looking at a situation where the people didn't know Christ and would get into the relationship they were already married. And maybe the husband gets to know Christ and he has two wives or more wives. Like I said, there are different positions. I, I, I'm not sure one is holier than the other. I belong to a church that, of rather my home church, believes, for instance, that you don't ask any of them to go. But if any chooses that no, they will go and they are ready to go, that's fine. You don't force them to be together either. You know, the only thing is, they say, the man can no longer, is not qualified to be a pastor or, you know, in the church or something like that. But the important, God is with every one of them. God is with every one of them. I don't know. But if somebody, after he has become a Christian, he goes to marry extra wives, <laughs> that's a different thing. You know, he's sin. It's completely sin against God and is, is, not, is, not, is not permitted by God. So if you really want to follow the path of God, in my view, in such situation, you are going to separate. Because to get into a relationship after you have given your life to Christ, you have a wife, you go and marry another wife. I do not think it's a Christian thing to do. It's the right thing to do. It's sin. Is, is that, am I answering the question? Okay. All right. I think our time is far spent. So I would call uh, Umbra Pastor Olo at this, at this point. Thank you. Thank you very much. Shall we pray? 
Thank you, dear Lord, for uh, we believe that have spoken to us. We believe that, Lord, your word has gone out, and we pray that you help us as family members, whether as fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, children. Lord, please help us through your Holy Spirit to do what we are supposed to do, to make our families God-centered. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.